Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I found my way back to a higher ground. Yeah, I just want to feel alive. Welcome to Higher Ground with Julian King. No, yeah, hello everyone. Julian King with you. High ground this Monday, 2nd of May. It's just gone 10pm on the east coast of Australia. For those that are still up, great to have your company. Wherever you tuned in, SEN 1170 in Sydney, 1620 on the Goldie. And via the SEN app, we can keep each other company for the next couple of hours. A slightly abridged program tonight because of the basketball. My open line number... 1-300-01-1170, The text line 0457-736-736. Uh, Ian McCulloch will be along live from London shortly for his UK report. He'll have the latest news from the old dart. And Pat and the panel are going to put me under the blowtorch as well with some agree to disagree. And we'll replay some of the best interviews from across the course of the day as well. Hey, what about those jack jumpers? Where does that rate in terms of, I guess, sporting achievements and upsets? What a, what a stunning result. They're only in their first year. People go, the Jack Jumpers. Oh, Tasmania got an NBL team. What a stupid name. Nobody gave them the chance. Nobody talked about them. They were never in the conversation. They only just scraped into the finals. And now, now tonight, they have knocked off the reigning champions, Melbourne United, to make the grand final. It is wonderful stuff. And as sports fans, we love these sorts of stories. We absolutely love them. 76 to 73 over Melbourne United. They now meet the Kings in the grand final. What money that those two teams would have made at the start of the year. What what hurt Melbourne United tonight was the lack of the sharpshooter Chris Goulding, who was a late out for the side. And, and the problem there is that um, I read a stat they were they shot at one for 21 from the floor at one stage. Melbourne United, you're not going to win games of basketball like that. So well done to the Jack Jumpers. Meet the Sydney Kings in the grand final. This Just quickly, this is the schedule for the NBLGF as follows. Friday, 6th of May, Kudos Bank Arena. So the Kings will get two out of three by virtue of finishing higher up on the table. Tip-off, 7.15pm, Friday, 6th of May, Kudos. So that is the first of three legs in the grand final, if it indeed goes that long. Game two in Tassie, My State Bank Arena. That game on the Sunday... 8th of May, tip-off 2.30. And then game three, as mentioned, if required. Uh, Wednesday, 11th of May, 7.15pm. That would be back at the Kingdome. Now, of course, it is Monday. It's the day where, look, we're all experts. And we were all experts. Many of us would say, oh, I'm just going to pick the Broncos. Oh, I had a sneaky suspicion that the dogs would get up. Uh, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. We're all wise after the event. As they say. So what did you make of the weekend's NRL action? Who impressed you? Who disappointed you? Ups and downs. I was impressed by the dogs. Simply because they needed a win and they found one. And nobody gave them a chance. And so Trent Barrett said, I'm going to hand the whistle and the clipboard to Gus in training, see if he can't give them the rev up. Well, something something worked. You may attribute it to that. And the Gus haters will say, you know what? He's the real coach. He goes into whatever club he's involved with, this time as the football manager of the Bulldogs. 
and gets his fingers in all the pies. So he is the patriarch, the godfather of that club. He's undermining Trent's authority. Trent doesn't give a rat's. They won. Do you think the fans care? As Trent always said, if you've got somebody of the calibre of Phil Gould, why wouldn't you call on him? And he said he'd do it again. Good luck to the doggies. Well done to them. Uh, a big win too over the Roosters. Likewise, Brisbane and North Queensland, not so impressed with Canberra. Not so impressed with Parramatta, particularly Newcastle. They were the biggest stinkers of the week. Hands down. As they say, there's something something rotten in the state of Denmark at the moment. Imagine going two home games without posting a try. This was the team that were ladder leaders after two rounds. Debris signed Ponga for five years. And they go two home games without posting a try. Can you work that out? Happy my Dragons guts down to win against the Tigers who had knocked off the Eels and Souths, no less. They didn't concede too until a few minutes to go, that, that try to Brooks. You know what uh, Hook Griffin said in his post-match press conference that that was the most pleasing thing, it's that rally in defence, as they did on the Anzac Day Monday, because Sands were getting opened up like a can of tuna down the middle. I thought Jimmy Tamo was fantastic. He really turned back the clock. He had a great game. Musgrove, I thought, showed some good punch too. But look at the Dragons. They scrambled. They kept showing up. Yeah, And as a fan, that's all you want. You want to see that attitude. You want to see that attitude, particularly on the goal line. Interestingly, he said that after that Anzac Day game, he said it took a lot out of them. Physically, it takes it out of him mentally too. It's such a big day. And his right hook, you only have to look at the Roosters. They went down to the 16th place Bulldogs. So only after that event do you think, well, I wonder how much it took out of them physically and emotionally, that Anzac Day clash. And he just lost. And it was a short turnaround. The game was on the Monday and they played on the Saturday. And look at these numbers. Joey Manu, five runs for 39 metres. He seems spent. He's the best centre in the game. And I guess you could draw parallels to, you know, his underwhelming performance with Talakai against the Broncos. Towled up Manly, go, this is going to be good Talakai and Stags. And, and he was unusually flat, so you see, for Talakai. But anyway, well done to my Dragons, if I can indulge for a moment. they got Melbourne next round. <laughs> Melbourne, a team. Melbourne have scored 120 points in two games. 120 points in two games. Just let that sink in. They are a frightening football team at the moment. Harry Grant is masterful. Is he the best nine in the game at the moment? On form, Harry Grant? Is he going better than Cookie? I think so. Better than Coruscant. What other nines in the game are going better than Harry Grant right now? Maybe there's one I'm missing. I can't think of one. And Pappenhausen, he's probably the best support player in the game. Munster is in career best form. Jerome Hughes is backing up his stellar form from last year. Justin Olam is absolute beast in the centre. Xavier Coates, I mean, I thought, wait, wait till Bellamy gets a hold of him. Now, he's going to be parked on one wing for State of Origin. Tri-scoring machine. So, you know, <laughs> just quietly, I'm not particularly confident the Dragons are going <laughs> to... If we can get within 12, I'll be very happy, I tell you. Hey, I mentioned in the Broncos Thursday night. Now, they take on the Bunnies... That'll be for the second time this season. We finally get to see Adam Reynolds up against his old club after missing round one. Pat's got his bunnies trackies on tonight too. I hope he washes them before the game unless he's got some weird kind of superstition. Because they did win. I don't wash them when they win. Do you know what? I hope they lose if you're sharing a studio with me, Patrick. I tell you.
Uh, they're not going to be good. He said he had no regrets leaving South. He would say that, though, wouldn't he? Because we know that he didn't want to leave. But I tell you what, his past couple of weeks, his past couple of games, Reynolds have been really strong, I thought. Really strong, Renner. Both sides, Brisbane South, sitting on four wins, four losses, by the way. Who do you like Thursday night? It's only a few more sleeps. I tell you what, Brisbane are a big, big chance here. A big chance. And yesterday on the program with Steve O'Keefe and Jace Magnuson on the on Crunch Time, we highlighted the fact that every game this year, the South's error rate have been in double figures. You know, if you maintain that, you're not going to win competitions. 0457 736 736, the text line number. I'll just back to the Eels for a moment. This online bile that's directed towards Jacob Arthur is just cowardly. Okay, he didn't have his best game, but you can't hang the loss on the young kid when you go down 35-4, and that's just farcical to suggest otherwise. You ask his teammates if they wanted him to be in the side, they said yes. Mitch Moses, I thought, made a really interesting observation about Arthur. He said he's got this sort of calming presence. When he made his debut last year, Brad Arthur said to them, you know, who do we think? And they said, oh, it's got to be Jacob. They rate him. They rate him. As a player, they rate him as a bloke. Did the teammates want him to be there? Yes, they did. I hope my colleague or our colleague here at SM, Michelle Bishop, had addressed this in her piece for the Seven Network today. At the end of the day, there's a reason someone like Jacob Arthur is on one side of the fence and you and I are on the other. And that's not to say players aren't immune to criticism. They most certainly are not. But watch what you say and watch how you say things. At the very least, be civil. Play the ball, not the man, right? And Parramatta Social Media had to step in and tell punters, just stop, just stop. That never happens. That never happens. It gives you an indication about how badly things are degenerated on social media on Saturday night in response to Parramatta's poor performance and they're hanging it all on Jake Arthur. And it's the coach's fault. And and Nathan Cleary, to his credit, has come out today and defended him. He said, you know, I know how hard it can be. Coach gets accused of nepotism. Of course, you know, you're not comparing Arthur to Cleary, but it can be tough. You've had a bad game. And then they'll say the coach isn't thinking right with his selection. He's thinking with his heart, not his head. You can't win. 0457 736 736. Now, uh, Graham Annesley, the NRL's football boss, says that match officials made the right call sending Carl Lawton from the field for that spear tackle on Cameron Murray. Yes, because a lot of pundits didn't agree. So now Lawton's going to miss the next four games. He accepted the early plea for that grade three dangerous throw charge uh, tonight or today. The tackle divided, as you know, rugby league experts over the weekend. Interestingly, Cameron Smith works with us here at the network, was among those to question why a player had been sent off for an unintentional spear tackle. And he said on the nine network, Smithy, I thought 10 minutes would have been sufficient. I don't think he had intent at all to drop him on his head. It's tackle gone wrong. But intention doesn't matter. Intent does not matter. Was it a dangerous tackle? Was it an illegal tackle? Was it a reckless tackle? That's all you need to ask. doesn't matter whether they intended. Players don't go out intending to jeopardise the future of another player by spearing them on their head. They didn't intend to do that. can happen. We understand that. Intent doesn't matter. Well, that's not his go, as they say. Could be the nicest bloke in the world, Carl Lawden. Help old ladies across the street. I'll get all that. But it was a bad tackle. It was a bad tackle. So, Annesley, as footy fans would know, he does his Monday briefing, right? 
And he said it was an easy decision for the match officials, regardless of the intent behind the tackle. He goes on to say, honestly, there's no doubt that he didn't intend for the tackle to finish the way it finished, but it has the potential for catastrophic outcomes. Now, I don't always agree with what Annesley has to say, but he's bang on here, bang on. Even though players don't intend to do some of these things, the game's got a responsibility to, A, protect the player on the field, and B, to ensure that these things are taken seriously enough that the players think longer and harder about their actions. You have to punish these illegal moves harshly. You have to. All right? And Annesley says the NRL would motivate players to rectify their problems with their tackle technique by laying down harsh punishments. So then what happens? Players will work harder to refine their tackle techniques to get all that stuff out of the game. They may still happen, but they'll become increasingly a rarity. And that's the most you can hope for. And then you remember a day after Lawton's tackle, uh, Jack Whiten, he conceded a penalty for a dangerous throw, was allowed to stay in the field. And he said, oh, I think I'll be fine, mate. Well, he wasn't. He's going to cop two weeks. Uh, you know, some might have said it was similar to Lawton's on the surface. Uh, he did differentiate between the two tackles, though, Annesley. He said it was easier for referees to assess the severity of illegal tackles made but by only one defender. In Whiten's case, it was another raider in the tackle. So it sort of throws a spanner in the works. I get that. I get that. And it's a tough gig for match officials. And I had to laugh. The guy oh, was an overreaction because they should have seen been Joey Marty the week before. They didn't. So now they're overcompensating. That is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. So Wyden is going to miss two games for his role in the tackle on Reese Walsh. Dangerous throws. I mean, they are becoming rarer. And we'd like to see them become rarer still in the modern game. Because they really began that, began that crackdown probably, what, early 2000s or so? And Lawton, incidentally, the first player, to give you an indication of how seldom these tackles occur, Lawton was the first player to be sent off for a dangerous throw since 2019. So he will miss the upcoming clashes with the Tigers, the Broncos, the Eels and the Storm. As I noted on Friday night, Manly didn't argue the point. They kind of just they just took it on the chin. They said, yeah, it was a bad look. And DCE said, well, look, the refs are doing their best to um, try and keep the game safe. So if they didn't argue the point, then really we shouldn't be either. 0457 736 736. Oh, just on the storm, Tui Kamakamika uh, has made his return to the sport through Queensland Cup over the weekend. He played for the Sunshine Coast Falcons. Of course, at the helm of the Falcons is uh, the hitman, the great Chris Flannery, beautiful part of the world. So for those who've forgotten, Kamakamika was he was subject to the NRL's no-fault stand-down rule. He was hit with a charge for alleged assault in Brisbane's Fortitude Valley in November last year. It was dismissed in court last week because the Queensland police failed to offer any evidence. So he had initially been set to contest a two-day trial last week. He was originally stood down by the NRL late last year under this no-fault stand-down policy that they have. But seemingly he's been cleared to return to the NRL, although, although the NRL has made no official comment on the matter of clearing his path for return. So despite that, he's uh, he ran out for the Falcons. It's a 48 points to 18 beatdown of the Jets on Sunday afternoon. He started at prop, come a commuter. He played uh, 54 minutes. 54 minutes. Cooper Johns played in that game too. So he had some pretty good numbers too, come a commuter. So it'll be interesting to see when he returns to that Melbourne side, given the fact that 
Craig Bellamy's side have won their last two games by a combined score of 120 points to 12. 120 to 12. I don't know. Maybe we'll jag a bench spot, the Fijian powerhouse, in the coming weeks. We shall wait and see. Hey, just away from league for the moment. This is a big weekend. and I know it doesn't get talked about, and I know Super Rugby makes people yawn. It's on the back burner, and rugby is struggling at the moment. It has been for a while in this country to capture the imagination and the attention of the sporting public. But this deserves mention. Some big results. The Aussie Super Rugby sides of the weekend. So we had the Tars knock off the Chiefs in a close match at the 10th Wonder. Oh, the 10th Wonder. 10,000 people, I should say. At the 8th Wonder, Leichhardt Oval. The Brumbies knocked off the Hurricanes very comfortably. 42 to 25. Now the Brumbies are in second place on the ladder. It was a pretty solid across-the-park performance. And then you had the Rebels. The Rebels outported Moana Pacifica on Saturday night. It was a big weekend. Big weekend for Australian rugby. Christy Doran mentioned this for foxsports.com.au. He said, while in the past there would have been two blowout defeats, the Reds in the fourth, fourth. Force both lost by less than a try, and each would have been disappointed not to come away with victory. So he could have had four teams get up. And for the first time in years, Australian rugby did not just record more wins for the weekend. It won on aggregate by 17 points. And that, that's important, that number, because Justin Harrison, former Wallaby, pointed out that sport and rugby needs to be a contest. And he's right, spectators will tune in when there's a contest. Nothing brings fans back like results on the field. First time since 2012 that the Australian sides have got the one in their Kiwi rivals over a weekend. So rugby's administrators, are, particularly here in the Southern Hemisphere, they've sort of rested on the international nature of the game, but... You know, I used to go to the Tars games years ago. You get 30,000 at the football stadium. We start winning. We start to recognise more of the names. And then the whole thing snowballs. Australian rugby may get its spark back. We hope so. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Bondi Jack will get to your text message very shortly. What we might do, we'll clear our first break. On the other side of that, I'll catch up with my good mate, Ian McCulloch, sports journalist for the U- from the UK, to uh, well, run us through the UK report and the biggest stories over in the old dart. You're on high ground. Great to have your company this Monday night, 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. What did you make of the weekend's NRL action? Who disappointed you? Who surprised you? As I said, Bondi Jack, always forthright. Uh, gee, you're getting stuck into the referees. You're calling it the Sutton Maxwell crime family. He has gone missing, though, Jared Maxwell. He has gone missing, Jared. I'll agree with, I'll agree with you on that front, Bondi Jack. Anyway, let's see what's happening over in the old art. Well, I need a bit of clash to get the blood pumping at 10.22pm Eastern Standard Time in Australia on a Monday night. Ian McCulloch, good evening or good afternoon, I should say. Good afternoon, Jules. How are you, mate? Going very well. Where do, where do we find you? Uh, I'm at home in a minute, mate. I'm just about to leave to uh, head out to a National League game. This is the fifth tier of English football. There's a, uh, a couple of low knees from Chelsea and QBR playing in a match between Maidenhead United and all the shot town, all the big games I get. So I'm getting over there in 
about 15 minutes after I've spoken to you. So. <laughs> now, you know, I wonder about these National League games where we've had, as you know, a deluge of rain in Australia. We've had a, the average rainfall for the year has landed certainly in, in Sydney in just three months. And a lot of the local sporting grounds are an absolute quagmire, the glue pot. And I think back to the, you know, the old footage, even of the, of the Premier League, of the old first division back in the day and, I tell you what, I mean, there weren't these uh, impeccably curated grounds that we have these days. So it gets me thinking, the National League, the fifth tier, I mean, how do those surfaces hold up? They're pretty good, actually. I yeah. mean, many of those teams in, the, in those levels of former um, league clubs in Notts County, which is the oldest football club in the world, are currently in there. And there's names like Stockport. All these teams that have always kind of been between sort of the championship and League Two for most of their history. But, uh. but there are some big big clubs there and a lot of these teams are full-time now so you find a lot of teams when they go get promoted to league league two they do quite well and push on to league one because they've got a bit of money behind them so but yeah football pitches across the world really are certainly a lot better than they were 20 years ago where you know running as you say running in glue pots (laughs) yes big heavy leather balls now you know this is the stage of the premier league season isn't it in uh where we yes we look at the top four of the table and who's going to win it. But equally intriguing, if not more intriguing, is the relegation battle. Now, the Toffees are, are a big club, as you know, and they're currently sitting in 18th, 32 points. But, gee, I mean, this was their backs against the wall win. They had to win, and they did it against powerhouses Chelsea 1-0. Oh, yeah, it, it was huge. I mean, especially given, you know, Burnley, who's kind of found form just at the right time with their third successive win. Um, they're two on over Watford on Saturday, which is kind of moved him away from Everton. So it really was a must-win game for Everton. And, um, yeah, they did it. They did it. It was, you know, a raucous atmosphere at Goodison Park. Um, you know, Frank Lampard, after the match, credited the crowd uh, for the win over his former club. And, um, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you had, like, kind of Richarlison after he scored the goal. Um, he's now facing punishment from the FA after he, he threw a blue flare that had been thrown onto the pitch by the crowd. Back into the crowd. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, not not you know, a bit of a moment of madness there. But yeah. Um, but yeah, Burnley they beat Watford Saturday, and Norwich went down after losing to Villa, and I think Watford are almost destined to join them. Very um, huge win for Burnley. Mm. But um, but you look at it now we, we, with Everton, they 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 are still in the bottom three, but they've got a game in hand to lead. Who've really been dragged into it? They got smashed four 0 by Man City on Saturday. Um, but Everton have a game in hand on Leeds. So that's just two points behind them, and have a vastly, you know, uh, Everton have got Leeds have got a vastly inferior goal difference to to Everton, so that they're really, really in 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 the mire. Um, uh, Everton play Leicester on Sunday, and on the same time, Leeds face Arsenal, you know, pushing on for fourth place and real good form mm. of the Emirates. So, um, yeah, it's huge. And then that game in hand, Everton have next week when they play, as I say, Watford, who are. Yeah, have lost 11 home matches in a row, which is a club record. Um, in fact, they haven't won a game at home, or even drawn a game at home. So they beat Man United 4-1, mate. You know, in Solskjaer's last game at Old Trafford. Yeah, I'm uh, still... For, um, for United. Yeah. So, uh, again, you'll remember fondly, I'm sure, Jules. I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about, eh? None whatsoever. <laughs> None whatsoever. Look, I, you know, I don't think anybody really wants to see Everton go down. I've got a Liverpool fans here and that are mates and they don't want to see it either because you know you've got the famous Merseyside derby and I think games are built on rivalry so we'll we'll wait and see but I mean Leeds fans will be sweating at the moment as you mentioned because 
you know, they had so many years in the wilderness, they famously fought their way back up, and I mm-hmm. think they'll be hoping that they'd stay in the league or the top flight for a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I say, it's second-year syndrome for those. They, for many teams that come up, they were great last year and struggled this year. And you do see it. Sheffield United, great in the first year, went down. Reading a few years ago did it. Um, it's almost like that second second album syndrome for these clubs. <laughs> yeah. You know, teams worked them out and, you know, leads have really and truly been worked out this year. So, um, you know, they've, they've had a lot of injuries, to be fair, changed their manager. But, um, yeah, they, they, they imagine... You know, the, you know, West Yorkshire, they'll be really sweating. Um, and you'd have to say, you know, Everton can't win away from home, but their home form has been good and Leeds can't really buy a win at the moment. If, you, if, you, if you're a betting man, and I am, I, I, I'd have my money on Leeds, perhaps, you know, the team to go and Everton kind of climbing out of it. Yeah. So it could be Leeds, Watford and Norwich, which brings us to the teams that will be promoted. And that's uh, an equally intriguing fight. Fulham, nice to see the Cottages uh, back up the top and I'd love to see them back in the Premier League. My first ever taste of Premier League was seeing... Sorry, no, my first taste of Premier League was Man United, but uh, I used to go see Fulham when they were at the top of the pop, so to speak, in the championship because Craven Cottage, it was uh, a pretty cheap and easy access. So it's a lovely little ground. So foot, uh, Fulham, sorry, mate, I'm just trying to bring up the table in front of me. You've got Fulham there, Bournemouth and Knott's Forest. So Knott's Forest, Bournemouth facing off this week and that's for the second spot in the championship. Yeah, it's a massive game, really. I mean, Bournemouth have been there all season in the top two, really, and they've spent an enormous amount of money to try and try and get there. Manager Scott Parker left Fulham to go to Bournemouth under some, some, something somewhat controversially, but um, the story of Forest really has been phenomenal. Um, they've come from nowhere, really. They, they, they were bottom of the table in October. They sacked their manager, Chris Hewton, and brought in uh, Steve Cooper, who formerly um, coached Swansea. Um, and they've just been um, incredible ever since. I think they've only lost four matches in, since he took over, and uh, they've climbed right into the, uh, in, you know, they were pushing for the playoffs, and now they really feel they can get automatic. Um, they won five-one over Swansea on on Saturday, and they they look, you know, again they are the form horse at the minute, and you take a, a brave man to bet against them beating Bournemouth on on Tuesday night. Mm. Um, it really would be, a, you know, a great story if they made it. I mean, Forest, they they really are the epitome of the sleeping giant. They're a huge club, massive fan base. Uh, you know, real illustrious history. Yeah, won the European Cup twice in the 80s. Yeah. Under the legendary Brian Clough. And it's a story that's been made into a, a truly brilliant documentary. I don't know if you get a chance to see it, called uh, I Believe in Miracles on Netflix. And uh, it contains one of the greatest soundtracks you'll ever hear on any sports documentary. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, and, you know, it's, and this, this, if they go up this year, that will be a, this will be a story that can kind of rival what they achieved in former years because they've not been in the Premier League since 1999. Yeah. Spent three years in League One and, you know, if they beat Bournemouth on on Saturday, sorry, on Tuesday, then, you know, they're pretty much one game away from, you know, being back in the big time. I believe in miracles. You said it's a great soundtrack. Yeah. Does Hot Chocolate feature on the soundtrack? Yes. It yeah, does, yeah. Very, it um, would make sense. Okay. Great. I didn't yeah. think you was a Hot Chocolate fan. You know, I have to say. Oh, like a bit of soul, mate. Yes, yes, yes. I've always picked you as a Brit pop kind of guy. But you know what? You have eclectic taste. That's why I love you. Eclectic uh, indeed, mate. Indeed. Yes. Let's let's jump ship from football to cricket for a moment. England have a new test captain. You know, this was when Joe Root finally stood down. It was a case of, well, who do we pick? Who do we pick? Because 
outside of one or two players, you didn't, you couldn't pick anyone that you were confident could hold their spot in the side. It ended up being Ben Stokes. Well, basically, he is the only person they yeah, could have picked. That's right. Um, he's the only person in, that's available that you know can sort of will be in the team. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, England, you know, have turned to former talismanic all rounders before as captain in both of them and Flintoff. That hasn't worked. It's a lot of pressure on Stokes. You know, he, he bats, he bowls, he feels, he captains. Is, is it going to be too much for him? But there isn't anyone else. There really isn't. Mm. Um, you know, bowlers, Pat Cummins has shown that, you know, you can be a bowler and be a, a successful captain. But, you know, Australia have got a much stronger team than England at the moment. So you kind of look at it and think, well, who else is there? Well, it has to be Ben Stokes. Um, the new head of English cricket, um, Rob Key, mm. gone from having a, you know, a former England batsman, but has been on the Sky TV cricket coverage and, you know, very astute uh, commentator on the game. He's been handed the... Uh, the role of trying to sort out the mess that is English cricket, and um, you know his first appointment is to make Stokes, and you know the, the word doing the rounds is well, who's going to be, going to be vice captain because there really isn't anyone, and you know Keith come out yesterday and said, well, that's not something I'm too worried about at the minute. <laughs> that, that's a good question. I mean, you know, is it going to be Rory Burns? I mean, you, you just don't know who's going to be picked and dropped from one test to the other, and I mean, you can't keep circling yeah. back to to Anderson and Broad. I mean, they're going to come out with Zimmer frames yeah. before we know it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Ben Stokes, and he's a new captain, England captain, and um, it's interesting to see what, where they go from here, really, because um, I say, you know, Stokes had injury problems as well in the last couple of years, mm. and, you know, that workload of, um, I mean, I, I, the, the ideal man really would be Owen Morgan. That's the, the person that everyone believes should be England test captain, but he's got no interest in, you know, returning to the Red Bull, the yeah. Red Bull game. Um, but... Um, yeah, so interesting time yet again for English cricket. Well, I wish him all the best. Uh, you know, he strikes me, Stokes, as the sort of person that may grow in the role. And if he has success, I mean, this could be a real boon for England cricket. I mean, there's, their, their test team is struggling enormously at the moment. But he, he's got a good profile. And it's not just his cricket now and the fact that he holds him place in the side mm. and that he's world-class. But he, he's got a, a big profile. And I think that's another thing that England cricket needs at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's him and Joe Root are the, the two kind of instantly recognisable. It's very different over here. Cricket's very different over here to Australia. Mm. It's hugely popular, but it doesn't. It's nowhere near the number one sport like it is in Australia. It's it's the summer sport, and people will watch it in the summer. But if there's a, a World Cup or a European Championships on, then cricket will take a back page. Yeah, or take a, a back, you know, a back step, and you know, there's no major. Uh, football tournaments this summer so cricket will have a kind of open slather if you like to kind of uh, get back to where it was but it's very I mean you know England fans will kind of when they're doing well they're on board and when they're not they want to just sort of shrug their shoulders and get on with it it's just sort of that's sort of much where, where cricket is over here um, but yeah it'd be interesting to see where he goes you know he's, a, he's an amazing player he really is he's you know comfortably the best all-rounder in the world and you know has done things on a cricket field that you know I have never seen before and mm. Most people haven't, so you yes. know he's got that going for him. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, well, you know, you know how it plays on his form. You know, will it be too much pressure for him? But he's got big shoulders, so we shall see. Still having nightmares about Headingley, you know. I'll leave it at that. Enjoy the afternoon at the National League Fifth Tier Football. Thank you so much, mate. We'll catch you next Monday. No worries. Cheers, all. Bye now. There he is, Ian McCulloch, uh, good man.
Outstanding sports journalist there over in the UK. 0457 736 736. Breaking back with Hope this Monday evening finds you well. 0457 736 736. The text line number. Now, Bono Jack, as you were saying, uh, I had to get through my chat with Ian. You're saying that the Storm, Kings of the Wrestle, now Kings of the NFL. As many as seven of the Storm's nine tries were illegal by early second half. Uh, Vossi and Ennis had given up calling all the forward passes that led to tries. In the first try, Kenny Bromwich clearly knocks on, gets six more. In the second try, uh, Harry Grant throws it a yard forward under the post during a 12-minute run of 57 tackles to nil with three penalties. This abuse of minnows has just ranked the intimidated young Sutton Maxwell crime family ref. That makes it 5-0 penalties, easing Storm to 16-zip. By late in the game, Olam has taken the mickey, throwing NFL passes right in front of the eyes painted on Bengal lances. But let's all shush. I don't know. Look, you, I've clearly watched the game. I was on air yesterday at the time with Steve O'Keefe and James Magnuson, crunch time. Because we're sort of chatting, doing program, I don't get to watch the game that closely. So we sort of, oh, look, there's another try. So I, I didn't see it, and I hadn't heard any mentions of forward passes. I'll have to take your word for that, Bondi Jack. Suffice to say, um, you know, are you screaming conspiracy here? Storm would have blown anyone off the park. I mean, look, anyone would have blown Newcastle off the park the way they're playing at the moment. But I'll, I'll take your word for that, Bondi Jack. Always look forward to reading your your text messages. Keep them coming in, 0457 736 736. All right, let's do a greedy disagree. Uh, Pat, good evening to you for the first time. Hello, I just had a, a uh, deep, deep cough on air to, mm. to start the show. Yes. Why, why did you do that? Just thought people would be, uh, Patty's on. That's his. Oh, is that your, that's his, your yeah, that's signature his, little cough on air? In it's the, the cough on air and yeah, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the 30 seconds of silence. In, in this COVID climate, that's a really yep. smart thing to do, just cough in a closed studio, Pat. But okay, yep. thank you. Well, Thank to make you. it up for you, I'll mm. lowball you. I'll, uh, I'll give you an easy ball to start with, Go. rather. Yep. Dragons going to be top eight contenders by the end of the year. Agree. I agree as well. Yeah. Thanks, yep. man. Yep. Uh, so you're, easy, you're gentle, aren't you? You're easing me into it, this. Well, we did crunch time yesterday together, and, you, and we did a good job, so keep that going. <laughs> Thanks, man. Three coaches gone by the start of next season. Three coaches NRL. gone by the start of next season. Yeah. Oh, well, let's see. Who's under the blowtorch? O'Brien. So I think O'Brien's Stewart, safe. Stewart. Um, Trent Barrett. I know it's... Barrett. You've got to give him a break because he had a win. I mean... Brown. You... Well, look, they're two newly appointed. Ricky Stewart's just re-signed up. They love him. Ferner loves him. I'm not convinced Ricky's going to go anywhere. I think if he safe. does... He, if Look, he won't be punted. He'll step aside. O'Brien, I think, might be less safe. Barrett, I don't know. I don't know. You chuck Kevy Walters into that mix. Kevy will be fine. He's got another year of stability. Uh, Brownie, three. I'm trying to think who else there is. Brad Arthur? No, he's safe as houses, Brad Arthur. You think? Yeah. If they have another second week of the finals be exit. He'll be fine. He was more shaky. He was more shaky last year. But that game against Penrith saved him. I know they didn't win. Yeah. But they played really well. I heard some, uh, that pa- couple, the fact that there wasn't any huge name available. This is the problem. There's no great production line of coaches at the moment. So what, are you going to swap out Brett Arthur for who? Like a Paul well, Green? You know what I mean? It, it won't happen. Well, Christian Wolfe is coaching St. Helens. Yeah. St. Helens would beat a lot of NRL sides. They're best, Maybe. They're the best team in the Super League at the moment by miles. Mm, jury's out on that. Though. And I'm not sold on the standard. Yeah. Tonga played New Zealand in the rep round. Yep. Tonga looks like they're going to have a pretty good team. They're going to have Talakai, um, Stags, 
Tamalolo play? Tamalolo yeah. for Feedham. Yeah, might get there. Mm. Um, he's coaching them, and he's been part of their turnaround. Harrell looks really good for St. Helens as well. Mm-hmm. So if they – I think they might beat New Zealand. If they beat New Zealand, they're going to have – Are they beating us? Okay. So back to the coaches thing. We're sort of going off a tangent with Christian Wolf. I will say – did you say three will be sacked by three. the start of the – uh, I'll say disagree. Going unders? Going unders. So we heard the great call tonight on the Jack Jumpers on SEN. Yeah. One of the biggest upsets in Australian sport. I agree. Agree. A brand new team. Nobody knew anything about them. Maybe we underrated them because we don't follow basketball, generally speaking, in this country as closely as yeah. football codes. But a newly minted team to knock off the defending champions, they only scraped in that top four. And I know they haven't won the thing yet, but to make the grand final is a remarkable achievement. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. So I've just, I've crunched the numbers. Mm. You love crunching numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Nerd. Gone through the biggest, according to bookie prices, upsets in NRL Mm. since 2009. Mm. The biggest outsider ever was the Bulldogs versus Penrith last year. The Bulldogs were paying $17.13 was their biggest Mm -hmm. pay. Yes. They obviously lost. Biggest winners, the biggest winner ever. So hang on, you gave me biggest outsiders. Now give me the outsiders that win. Yeah, yeah well, I just it's frame it. You got to seventeen dollars. Fair enough. You're, you're surely you're a man of theatre, quoting Shakespeare to open the show. Um, so Broncos beat the Roosters last year at the SCG, thirty-four sixteen. I remember that. They got out to as much as eleven fifty-seven. Did they? Yeah. Cronulla versus the Roosters in two. That was a week. Bozo died. I remember that. Uh, Cronulla versus the Roosters in 2014. That springs to my mind as the biggest upset in rugby league. That was the Asadi year for Cronulla. Mm. And Roosters were in the middle of three minor premierships in a row and they were defending premiers. They were paying $9.83. And then West Tigers a couple of weeks ago against Parramatta were paying $9.38. Is that right? Yeah. We're going to know what happened there, the famous Jackson Hastings field goal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, what's my agree to disagree? Biggest upset, and then that was just a little. Oh, gosh, a little taste. Do you like any of them more than the Jug Jumpers? Well, they're one-off games. I'm talking about the achievement over a season, right? Anyone can anyone can win a one-off game. Yeah. As they say, any given Sunday, right? Yeah. But but to sustain it for a whole season. Yeah. A brand new side. It's like saying the Dolphins are going to make the grand final in their first year. Does anyone believe that? Yeah. No, no one believes that. No one believes that. So, Do yes. you, you're a cricket man. What is the biggest cricket upsets? Oh, look, let's think about that another day, shall we? Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. 0457 736 736. Read the Lodge incident. I've never understood why Trent Robinson instructs his players to get straight up. I'm yet to see a chook stay down looking for a penalty. Try and find one yourself, but you can't. Uh, why wouldn't Robbo just instruct as other coaches instruct, uh, especially Ricky, by the way? <laughs> stay down, rub your neck, get the penalty. Thanks, boys. Uh, Mick the bias, Chook. Yeah, that's an interesting one. You're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, Mick. Isn't that right? Because you want to see players spring straight back up. They all play for it. I, I, I've got to admit, I haven't sort of noticed that they stay down less than others, truth be told. Maybe he does instruct them. I, I don't know. But you're saying, you know what, if everyone else does, and you're looking for any way to get an advantage in this game, the state and milk the penalty. The rules are such, right, that you stay down for any given second, oh, you get the penalty. So what's the way to stop it? Well, 
if you're, say, for example, at the wrong end of a crusher tackle, maybe they say you go off for a certain amount of minutes and, uh, you know, get a doctor to check your neck or whatever. Likewise, if you think you've been clipped high and you stay down, well, then you've got to go for an HIA. So the minute the player thinks, well, if I stay down, I'm a chance of going off the field, better get that garbage out of the game because it is a blight of the game. It's a tough game, but I hate to see, I hate to see players try and milk penalties like that. I hate it. Good on you, Bias Chook. Don't worry, your Chookies will be back. I know a lot of people say, oh, Chook. You know, Robbo, he's past his peak. They're too old. It's, it's amazing. You don't write off champions. Keery and Walker can't work together. Still early days. They need to pick up their game, though, the Roosters. Break it back. 300-01-1170, the open line number. G'day, Mark. Hey, Jules. What did you think, mate? Mate, I'm happy with the attitude and, and the effort. You know, they didn't concede until late. They were... Opened up in the middle, uh, but they scrambled really well. And, and I'll probably take Hook's point. He set up, you know, Anzac Day with a short turnaround. It took a lot out of them, I think, physically and mentally. Um, they're just happy to get that one behind them. I think I think you summed it up perfectly. Um, effort, last three weeks, that's all you want out of your team. Even for the Tiger supporters. Had a good couple of weeks, there was effort by them, and that's all you can ask for. Mm. So, um, you know, big, big test comes this... Um, Sunday. We haven't won down there since 1999. Yeah. And um, I went down there for my 40th, Jules, and young Tonda Mopia scored after the bell, I remember. Oh, was that the one where um, the siren sounded, but they yeah, allowed the play? Yeah, yeah, don't yeah, stop me. Yeah. Was that, that yeah, was like yeah, round yeah. one? Was that round one? Or it was early, wasn't it? Oh, no, no. It was, it was round seven. I round remember seven, me and the okay. old man went down. And uh, Mrs. rang me and said, how you going? I said, well, I'm in 7-Eleven eating three donuts, two crunchies. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but, no, effort was good. I think Frankie Milo's good. He's, he's good. He's he been a great well. bite, Mark. He, he, you know what? what I, he just punches up the middle, plays hard, plays direct, plays straight. That's what I like about and, him. And, and I like Moses Suley's attitude this year. He's been good. He's been very good, Moses Suley. Yeah, he's getting better. I mean, there's always been a bit of a question mark over his lateral defence. He, he's trying hard. He's try, just got to get him early mm. ball, don't they? Because he's destructive. And just, yeah, and the only last thing is, um, yeah, we've got to get Sloan in that side. I, I know he's got things to learn. Moses does a good job, but, yeah, it was good to see Sullivan there. And yeah, well, was, mate, you know what? That, so. that run out of dummy half, McCulloch doesn't score that try, Mark. No, and, no, You know, Andrew McCulloch's no. a war horse and he's smart and he works hard, but he, he, he just doesn't have that spark that a younger player like, like Bud has or, or Junior Ramone for that. But yeah, good footwork and quick off the mark. And, you know, as for Sloan, up, he's the, been absolutely toweling it in the Reggies. Yeah. Toweling it, yeah. The, the one thing I'll leave you with is the one surprise packet has been um, Josh McGuire. He's been great. He talked about having to reinvent himself, Mark. And that's exactly what he's I, done. I read, I, yeah, he's had great yeah, energy, I heard mate. That interview. He's good, mate. I, I've got to fly, mate. I'm about to uh, yeah, about to hit mate. the break. Good to speak to you, mate. I'll be back You're on Wednesday. Right. There you go, Mark from Wollongong. Great Saints Saint supporter. Jimmy Smith said, "What is this? The Dragons Radio?" Kind of right there, Jimmy. Uh, incidentally, and I'll go through the rest of the Dally M points after the break too. For the Dragons Tigers game, three to Ben Hunt, two to Jimmy Tamo, one to Moses M. By Greg Inglis was the judge there. So Ben Hunt flying at the moment. We're going to break him. Now I did mention Gus Gould. A lot of people were wondering what he was going to say tonight at 100% footy in reaction to all that media 
during the week about him taking control of a training session. Was he undermining Trent Barrett? Anyway, he spoke tonight on 100% footy. Here's a bit of what Gus had to say. I'm asking you. I asked you the no, question. I'm not answering it. Well, how, can, how do we know what's right or wrong if you're not going to answer what's right or, I don't care what you people believe and I don't care what you people say. I don't care what the media says. Okay. I don't care what the commentary says. But the I pressure the that truth. it puts on everyone else. Though. I know the truth. But I do know that Trent Barrett coached the team this week. Trent Barrett will be the coach of the Bulldogs long after I'm gone. Long after I'm gone. He's going to be a long-term coach for the club. I don't think it's a bad thing and at all. And all the stuff that was misrepresented and misspoken about and most of it's so childish and agenda-driven and personal grievances... I've been dealing with pretty much for the most part of my career and it doesn't affect me and I don't worry about it and I laugh in their face with it. What they then to try to do is to get it around people around me so that I'll respond. They'll write rubbish, they'll write lies, they'll write representation and hope that I'll respond and tell the truth. I've never done it. I've never tried to protect my own image by putting others down. And if I tell the truth about a lot of these other things, a lot of other people would be very, very embarrassed. I don't do that. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll, so I just suck I'll, it up and I'll, just move on. I think what's I, going I, on with dogs is, is OK. I, 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 I wonder about the childishness of the people who comment on this without ever knowing the real facts. Wow. There you go, Gus. Came out in the front foot, didn't he? So I don't want to talk about it. You, Mobby, there's a clear line of demarcation between Gus and the media, even though he is the media as well. And Mick Shamus is just... And Shamus is a fine journalist, just doing his job. And what I love about Gal as a cow, if he disagrees, just gives it back to Gus, whereas a lot of people tend to be, you know, compliant around him. Unless, of course, you're part of NRL 360. Very defensive. Very defensive. Childish and agenda-driven were the words that Gus used. Declared that Barrett will remain as Canterbury's head coach long after he's gone. But he slammed his critics. Slammed his critics. And he made that point, hammered home that, hammered home that point tonight on 100% footy. He said, Barrett's safe. And then put the blowtorch on the critics. He says, you know, they don't know what I know. And he's right. So go, oh, hang on a minute, what, what's Gus doing in training? And if you don't know all the details, well, you fill that vacuum with speculation. And that's what he's pushing back against, Gus. As is Trent Barrett. He says, Barrett will be there long after I'm gone. So you don't get a, a bigger show of confidence in the coach than that. I wouldn't have thought. So all this stuff misrepresented, misspoken about, as I said, childish and agenda-driven, personal grievances. I dealt with it for the most part of my career. It doesn't affect me. Don't worry about it. Laugh in their face with it. I don't care what the media says, said Gus. Don't care what the commentary says. I know the truth. That's all I need to know. I'm satisfied with that. So that's interesting. But that's a central point. That's the thrust of his argument. Gus is saying, well, I know what happened. Trent knows what happened. We were the only ones here along with the players. Nobody else actually knows what happened. You don't know what our relationship's like. So don't suggest that I'm undermining because I'm not. And he basically said, well, no, Trent will be there long after I am. Is that enough to put it to bed? I'm not so sure because the people that don't like Gus are not all of a sudden going to fall in love with the bloke. Jules, if you don't believe in NRL conspiracy under Sutton Maxwell regime, consider this. Bondi Jack. I punished you with it only weeks ago. Short memory, round 11, 2018, your Saints led the comp flog Storm 32-4 by Matty Check and policing the wrestle. Storm plotting uh, four wins, six losses. Buzz and Gus freak out in TV radio. Penalties are killing rugby league. The gutless NRL immediately abandoned the crackdown while Bernie Sutton calls Check into his desk, accuses Matty of putting on his own games. Checking is insulted, resigns forthwith. Saints capitulate, Storm mate, the grand final. Your thought, I remember that, Bondi Jack. I remember that message, I've got to say. Uh, do I think that sometimes there are knee-jerk reactions to pressure from the media? Oh, the wrestling. 
the game's too slow, the game's too fast. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So I think we're on the same page there. Do I think the top teams get favoured? I think I saw an article the other day, Bondi Jack, that sort of, I guess, defied this notion that the top teams get favoured. Just looking at the penalties. And Penrith, I think, were an example. We're down the list. But maybe you could say, well, the top teams have better discipline, therefore they get penalised less. That's why they're the top teams. We can dice, slice and dice this any way we want. Any way we want. It's all history now, though, Bondi Jack, for me. I'm just looking forward to the next week. We've got to take on Melbourne. Hey, you know what? Let's see what the result of the Melbourne game is. We'll both watch it. Because you can guarantee I'll be watching that Bondi Jack. <laughs> and you know what? If they play NFL again, then I 100% agree with you. Always good to hear your thoughts. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. I did give you the leaderboard for our player of the year here at SEN, the official Dallium leaderboard, uh, Ryan Pappenhausen uh, is on top. So we both got Ryan Pappenhausen on top. Uh, second on 13 points, Ben Hunt, Isaiah Yo. Then you've got Mitch Moses. So Moses, yeah, he also features. Hines, Cherry Evans, both on 10 points. Then you've got Dylan Edwards, uh, Talakai Hughes, and Sam Walker on nine. So uh, pretty similar if you compare the two. Pretty similar, which suggests that our experts are indeed experts. You're listening to High Ground.